Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Terry Martin, and I'm the host for the Sailing to Retirement podcast. In today's episode, we're, we're going to ask the simple question is, where can I invest cash today? And it's a seemingly simple question that a lot of people have, and it's becoming increasingly hard for us to answer as far as financial planners. You know, as a rule of thumb, we want you to have about six months worth of cash in the event of an emergency. Uh, most financial planners will agree to that. But what do you do if you have extra cash and you don't want to invest it in the uh, stock market? So before we answer that question, let's take a look at the traditional types of accounts we use for cash. And uh, this last one's going to be a bit of a curveball, but we have a lot of clients using it uh, to great success. So you, you can use savings accounts, money markets, uh, short-term government bonds, corporate funds, uh, CDs. And the last one we see is people using uh, insurance contracts, which is a kind of an interesting twist. And we'll, we'll illustrate how that works. So as I mentioned in the opening, you know, it's getting increasingly hard to find a place for cash. And that's because we're experiencing uh, greater levels of inflation. You know, be, before I go into the types of accounts, though, I really want to explain a little bit about inflation. And also, you know, retiring today is very, very hard. You know, you've got a lot of external factors keeping the amount you can make on your money in safe investments extremely hard to find. I mean, let's face it, your parents uh, and their parents, I mean, you typically, if you retired, you could invest in GE, you could invest in some of these other companies, the utility companies, and get five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% in dividends. And that'd be great. You've worked all your life, you invested in a dividend, uh, throwing out, you know, company dividends or company throwing out dividends. And so it's a great place for you to just sit back, retire, collect your your money and not have to worry about it, essentially. But in today's low interest rate environment, it is very, very challenging to find a place to put it. So we always hear about the government's inflation number, but you know, but what does it mean to you? So inflation, first off, is the decrease in purchasing power. So it's really kind of insidious in that you know, if you start your account at the beginning of the year with $100,000 in cash, you keep it in cash in your checking account or savings account, and let's say inflation is at 5%, you know, most, most uh, bank accounts right now in savings accounts, you're, you're simply not getting any interest at all. You're, you're getting negligible interest. So let's say you had your $100,000 and it's sitting in a savings account or checking account. At the end of the year, you still have $100,000 in the account, which doesn't look like you've lost any money. The problem is, which is very deceptive, is that all everything that you've been buying has gone up by about 5%. That's really what the inflation number is uh, indicating to you. So the pound of hamburger that you're paying you know, $3 a pound for now has gone up to $3.15. So the problem is you don't see it in your account, but you see it when you go to the grocery store or when you go to pay your insurance or you know pay the taxes on your house, so forth and so on. So if you're living on a fixed income, it is super, super important that you get some interest on your money because if you're not, you're losing money. And so I know it's a hard concept for a lot of folks to wrap their head around, because they don't see the actual losses in the account. 
So the other issue is that it gets a lot worse for retirees. You know, there's three main issues. The first is that the government underreports the inflation number. Second is that it's virtually impossible to find a place to park cash and keep pace with inflation. Third is the, the main retirement component that's tied to CPI is your social security check. So if they underreport the CPI or inflation and your social security is tied to it, then guess what? You're not keeping pace with inflation either because if they're reporting that it's 4%, in actuality, it's around seven or eight or 9%, there again, you're losing your purchasing power. So that's why it's super important and uh, that, that you, you really find a place to put your cash so that it's earning interest. And keep in mind, you still need to keep cash. Nobody's going to tell you you don't need to keep cash. You just got to find out a place to put it. So in order to fix the issue uh, with the inflation is, remember back in the 70s uh, when Jimmy Carter was president, they uh, were, were giving out 15, 16, 17% cost of living in, in, you know living adjustments. That was basically going to bankrupt the United States in pretty short order. So they came up with a fix. And it's my understanding what they did is they tinkered with the CPI calculation. So they moved away from traditional uh, bucket of goods that people would buy, and they moved it to a substitution model. Let's say that beef doubles in price, but the price of chicken and pork stays the same. The new method that they say, people will stop eating the beef and buy the cheaper or substitution like uh, chicken and pork. So that's kind of a quick uh, explanation on how they adjusted the inflation numbers. It's not an exact science. So a lot of things they don't account for simply go up naturally. Again, your taxes on your house have definitely gone up. Uh, price of gasoline generally goes up. There's things there that they don't really account for. So let's look about savings account and money market, right? A lot of folks use those for their cash. You know, the best rate I could find on the internet today was about half a percent. Now they are very liquid and you know, you're going to find the best accounts online. The interesting thing here is that I've got you know, some clients that really chase these money market accounts online. And to be honest with you, they can change their rate at any point in time. So you may find a great money market rate, say it's a half percent. And then tomorrow they may lower that to 0.01%. They do that by design. They have, um, they need extra liquidity at the bank or they, they have extra liquidity that they need to lend out. So it's, it's, it's hit or miss. You will spend a lot of your day if you want to go around chasing savings accounts and money market accounts to get the best rate. But suffice it to say, there are accounts out there that you can find you know, about a half a percent for. Short-term government bond funds. All right. So they're not really looking so good either because some of the top funds have earned 0% over the last year. And you, you got to ask yourself, how do short-term government bond funds, how do they function? And remember, if interest rates go up, the value of the fund goes down. So even though you're collecting dividends from the uh, fund, let's suppose it's a 0.02%, if the interest rates go up beyond that, 
then you essentially have earned 0% because the, 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 the value of the fund has gone down. So that's why a lot of these funds are at zero. And you know, again, I saw quite a few at negative interest rates. So that's really not what you wanna do either. So corporate bond funds, I think they're kind of in the same boat as the short-term government funds. The returns for these are about 0.02, 0.03%. Again, if, if you're looking for something like that, you're probably better off looking at the money markets and shopping it around online. Um, so that's, that's you know, you're barely breaking even there. CDs, uh, since we're talking about the best accounts for cash, you know, we're, we're, we're going to use the one-year CD here as an account. Uh, I went in and did a search and the best one-year CD rates are about 0.65. So one-year CD rates are, you know, they're good. And keep in mind that if, you know, they're, they're liquid, right? So generally, if you put in $10,000 in a CD and it's a one-year CD. If you need to get the money out, you could get your principal out. They're just not going to give you the interest, right? I mean, that's typically how um, CDs are going to work. So you, you, you're essentially giving them a, the money for the year. At the end of the year, they're going to credit you about 0.65%. And keep in mind, you're, you're going to pay taxes on that. So the one of the issues that, you know, if you're using some of these short-term accounts is that not only are they paying low interest rate, but then you got to factor in whatever in, uh, uh, tax rate you're in, say you're in a 20%, you got to lower that by another 20% because you're going to pay tax on it uh, every year. So again, it's uh, a little bit hard to find. So the curveball here, and I've done a lot of uh, uh, investigating in this, and it's really pretty unique, is uh, the insurance. So there are companies out there and I, I know what you're thinking, you know, insurance, I, I would never think to uh, put cash in an insurance policy. Uh, and in most cases, you'd be correct. All right. So there's a number of caveats to this account. Uh, first off, it is insurance. So you have to be insurable in order to even use it. Um, if you've got, you know, a lot of issues or health issues, you, this probably isn't going to work for you. But the second is that the interest is credited to the account at the end of the year, similar to the CD. So if you make money on the account and you were to pull the account out, or you pull the uh, money out on day three, 364, um, you're going to lose any interest, if any, that was going to go to your account. So again, it's similar to the CD in that you have to keep the money in there for the full year in order to get the interest credited to your account. And three, there's no guarantee that uh, you're going to make any money in the account. Now, the way that these are presented to folks are through an illustration. So if you uh, want to see something, every person is going to get slightly different numbers because it's insurance and it's based on mortality and things like that. But by and large, you're going to get a small bit of insurance, even if the market goes down. And I'll talk a little bit about how it gets credited, uh, which is the fourth uh, topic here. And it gets credited to your account based on a subaccount, you know, and the subaccount may be the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, or what have you. But it's based on some sort of subaccount. So it looks at the subaccount. And if the subaccount goes up 5%, uh, your account would go up roughly 5% minus whatever fees there are. So that's why you really have to take a look at the illustrations. But 
it, it it looks good as long as the market at least makes two, three, four, five percent or more. And uh, there is a cap on the amount that you can open up or put in the uh, account as well. And they have a million dollar cap. So if uh, you have more than a million dollars, uh, you know you can only put a million dollars in it per. So if you got a spouse, you can actually do two, I guess. But um, most people look at how much the cap is. So let's talk a little bit about the indexing method again. It has no cap. So if you're looking at uh, investing in it, whatever the underlying market is, it has no cap. So in a good year, you know, you'll see the interest go up. And in the bad year, though, you won't see any losses in the account because they have a minimum amount that gets credited to the account. So typically it's going to be two and a half percent. Again, that's what the rate is today. It can change at any point in time. So they're going to credit you back at least two and a half percent. So that sounds good. But keep in mind that every year they are buying a little bit of insurance in the account. So even though they, uh, they will credit you a minimum of two and a half percent in the account, uh, roughly two percent is going to get used to buy insurance. So in, uh, in a bad year where the market's gone down, you'll typically either be break even in the account or you might see maybe up to a half a percent uh, on up, you know, depending on where the market lands at the end of the year. The other benefit too is that because it is insurance, so let's suppose something happens to the owner, unforeseen. Again, remember, I, I don't promote these as life insurance policies, even though they are life insurance policy, but it's it's a way for people to take cash and, and you know put it aside. But if something happened to the owner, there is life insurance. So depending on how much life insurance in there, that amount goes to the beneficiaries tax-free. So that's one of the few things that is tax-free when uh, you, you, you get money from these type of accounts. And uh, finally, the money in the account is completely liquid so that at any point you can take the money out. Again, if you want the interest though, you're going to have to leave it in there at the anniversary date. And every year it gets renegotiated and you know you can keep the money in there, but at, at the end of the year, it really stops. And then you can either leave the money in there for a continuation of the next year, or you can take the money out. And that's typically how most clients do it if they have extra cash. So here's a quick example. You know, we had a house that, uh, or we had a client that wanted to buy a house. So she had saved about $130,000, $140,000. And uh, they had bought the lot and they went to their builder. And as you know, the price of lumber is uh, tripled. So what happened is that the builder came back and said, yes, we can build your house. Uh, however, the price of the house now is doubled. So they wanted to build, you know, it was around a $300,000 house. Uh, but the builder came back and said, it's going to be, you know, north of 500. So they didn't have the money to put that toward. I mean, you know, they would need double the money uh, to put as a down payment on the house. So they asked me, so where can we park this 130,000? Because it's going to be about a year, maybe two years before the price of lumber's come, you know, price of lumber comes down and all the prices involved. And I said, all right, well, we use this type of account. She needed to keep the money liquid though, right? So in a year from now, maybe the price of lumber is going to drop and she could get started on the house. Um, and, the, you know, they didn't want to invest in the stock market. You know, the stock market, uh, in a good year, you could see the up 30, right? But in a bad year, you could also see a down 40. 
So if you've saved 20 years like she did to buy a house, you definitely do not want to be <laughs> throwing the dice on $130,000. Um, she did not feel comfortable with that. And I, I, you know, I didn't suggest you do that anyhow. So, and you didn't really want to invest in a money market. Again, if you're investing in a money market and inflation's at five, 6%, and you're not making five or 6% of your money, you're just losing money. So that didn't work for her either. So we eventually decided to use the insurance account, you know, which is the best account for her. And, uh, she was willing to say, okay, well, if I had invested this or just kept it in my checking account, I wasn't going to get much interest anyhow. And in her case, and again, these are all specific to individual circumstance, but in her case, the minimum that she would see is roughly half a percent at the end of one year. Uh, and again, there was no cap on the earnings. It's really based on where the market uh, is at the end of the year. And it, we had another client that had a substantial cash position and they really didn't want to be in bonds. As you know, uh, if the price of bonds go, uh, or if uh, interest rates go up, price of bonds go down. And she just felt like it was, she didn't want to be involved in almost, she thought that she would certainly be losing money if she invested in some of these bond accounts. So she was looking for an alternative there. And again, well, she's just going to look in the park, the money for a year or two. And she thought the outlook of the bond market would be better. We're in the process of looking at this for her, you know, all the details. And again, that's, that's kind of where direction that she wants us to go. Just as a summary, you can see there's no ideal place here for cash in today's low interest environment. Everybody needs some cash for emergencies, you know, about six months worth. But if you have extra cash, you know, what do you do with it? It's really hard to find a place, and especially if you're a retiree, you know, the, the days of getting your seven and nine percent yields and CDs and money markets and, and short-term bond funds are just gone. And so the insurance account is one of our better strategies that we're using today in the low interest environment. So this podcast episode seemed to be a bit gloomy, but I wanted you to know that in a low interest rate environment, by the way, it's the lowest interest rate that we've had in 5,000 years. So it's really, really difficult to find some place. It's really tough to safeguard your retirement. But this is one of the things that we are tasked to do. And this is one of the strategies that we're able to use. Um, if you have questions, feel free to give us a call. Again, all these are based on individual circumstance. And if you enjoyed the show or if you're being curious about the insurance account, again, let us know. And the numbers of listeners of this podcast is growing pretty rapidly. So please, if you can, give us a positive review, subscribe, and let us know if there's a topic in the future that you would like us to cover. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate the support. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. Terry Martin is an investment advisor representative of FRS Investment Advisors, a Florida investment advisory firm.